Welcome to Wonder Tour with Derek Cobb and Drew Perot. Hi, I'm Derek. And I'm Drew. And we're on a journey to become better leaders by touring fantastic worlds and inspiring lore. We connect leadership concepts to story context because it sticks to our brain better. You can find out more at wondertourpodcast.com. Now, Derek, let's go ahead and jump through the Bifrost. We're going from Asgard to Midgard and back again uh, as we travel through the journey of Thor, Loki, Jane, Odin, uh, and all the characters in the original uh, Marvel Thor movie. Welcome to Asgard, my mortals. All right, we're back. We are back. And this week we are doing uh, Marvel's Thor. And Drew, uh, why don't you, as usual, tell me something, you know, to get us started, basically. What is, what's the thing that drew you into this movie? No pun intended. Yeah, actually, right. We, I think I feel a personal connection to this story. Um, for For me... Thor is a kind of a like personality or a, you know, somebody who I see as I can relate to his flaws and his ambitions. And I think you kind of pointed it out to me pretty directly. You're like, uh, you know, you always kind of try to prescribe in the background. Sometimes we talk about it, sometimes we don't. But what the Enneagram type is of some of the main characters in our stories. (laughs) And uh, when you talked about Thor and said that he's the eight wing seven uh, for me, uh, I call it the non-conformist. It's just there's nothing I can do. I have a <laughs> just distinct drive to be different. I don't like uh, I don't like doing things that other people are doing. I don't like wearing things that other people wear. I I love to zag when other people are zigging. Um, I just I like to be unique, and I feel very strongly and passionately about things, and am willing to fight for them. And so for me, I, I really like uh, seeing Thor's journey because I can kind of step into it and I can see where I can relate to him, especially on the flaws side, right? Where maybe I, I'm ambitious, but I'm overambitious. And it really can cause issues for me when I'm trying to push faster than the, the kind of the organic growth rate, as we've talked about. Or, you know, I'm not ready in my leadership journey to take on responsibilities and I just think that I am. So I can totally relate to Thor in that way. And that's kind of what draws me in. And then I also I really like what we're going to talk about later with the moment with um, with the connection with Odin. This movie taught me a lot about how to, you know, how to let things go. And, and it shows kind of how to have how to love somebody well. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, last last time we talked, you know, we said, hey, what's what is brute strength good for, right? And um, so I think that's that's going to get answered today. Um, it does have its time and place. It does have uh, its positioning in the overall leadership ecosystem. However, I think Thor is someone who maybe pours it out when he needs to drip it out. <laughs> so, um, I can, yeah, I can he, relate to that, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
he tends to flood when he, you know, should just, uh, you know, sprinkle a little bit. So um, I think that's the um, I hope that that's the part that we get to today, because uh, for me, I've always been fascinated by uh, brute strength as well as uh, I would say brute force, too. So brute force in the working world uh, to me is I got to work long hours and I've got to, you know, bust my tail to get this done. I've really got to put it all out there, you know, and um, which is actually quite opposite of how I feel. Now, sometimes there is a time and place for that, for sure. You know, just when you got to achieve a schedule, you got to achieve a schedule. Right. But um, more often than not, I try to tend trend towards energy efficiency. So it's going to be a stretch for me. And I think it's good because I'm going to get to learn, you know, and I, I think others, you know, that are listening to this, right, they're going to get to learn, you know, what is the appropriate time to, to bust out that brute, brute strength and and use it to crash through a wall, um, you know, but you don't always do it all the time. And uh, I think we should open up the story here and start, you know, kind of piecing through. And we've got this uh, just really, you know, a lot of background. I don't know if you want to hit the background for a second and then we can jump to Asgard. I think that would be good. You're always good at that stuff. Yeah. So the kind of the backdrop here is the main characters that we have. We have Thor and his, his brother Loki and their group of friends. We have his parents, Odin and uh, Frigga. We have, uh, we have then these people who are on Earth or as the Asgardians call it, Midgard, right? So there we have Jane Foster um, and Eric Selvig and Darcy Lewis who are these physicists or, and an intern who are studying, um, just studying some interesting phenomena that they're seeing in outer space. And it just kind of coincides, right? So you have these two threads of the story that get weaved together. And I don't, you know, I think we've been trying to be shorter on the plot and, more, and longer on the analysis. So, you know, I think most people have probably seen this movie. Basically what happens is they these kind of two stories weave together, right? They're they're tracing this lightning storm. And then, um, you know, we see the background of why that happens because we see this um, kind of this early stage of what's happening in Asgard where, you know, I think Odin's telling Thor that, you know, he's eventually going to succeed him and kind of lead the Asgardians. And we also have Loki who's kind of playing this, you know, background role, Loki traditionally known as the, you know, the god of chaos. So um, he he has some, obviously he has a stake in this and he's very interested in the fact that he's not going to lead and that he, you know, and of course Odin sees that he has a different role for Loki to play, but that's probably not how Loki sees it based on how these movies play out. So what, surprise. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He, he definitely uh, gets well, surprised be, the movie, doesn't he? <laughs> Well, I mean, he drives he drives the original Avengers, and I, I think that's key. It's really cool how Loki is kind of the driving force there. And then, of course, they pull back the veil and show you that Thanos is really behind it. But um, Loki has a really important role to play there, and it's in this conflicted character that he is able to drive forward the plot of the kind of Marvel Cinematic Universe. So um, let's just jump in maybe at this there's the ceremony where um thor is going to become like the you know the crown prince or whatever i don't know what it actually is called but he's going to become the uh he's like the heir apparent right full-on king to me when in the movie when i was watching i was just like man yeah he's just gonna hand it all over right here um you know because he was like well i'm king now and he's like not yet (laughs) so 
you know, um, because the, the, the frost giants sneak in the back door, right? Uh, Loki, we find out later, Loki leaves the back door open just to, to come up to works. Um, and, you know, this is kind of classic Loki, you know, kind of in some way you could say the guy thinks with both sides of his brain. Um, but he also thinks with both sides of his heart, right? So he's like light, dark, light, dark, light, dark. And he's really, you know, um, I'm trying to find that analog to really business where you've got somebody who's maybe floating between two teams and, you know, sometimes that, you know, they're maybe stirring up a little conflict. Sometimes they're trying to resolve it. It's, it's, uh, it's interesting to watch Loki and we'll, we'll, we'll get onto that a little more, but um i don't know just keep going on the story but basically like you know the frost giants just you know swooped in right um they they got slammed to the ground by the guardian i think it's the guardian right you know what it's yeah. called and uh so then once they get x'd out then it just kind of sprawls off this whole discussion about hey what's what's happening here you know and and how do we resolve this or you know and odin it's this historical feel, conflict right that they have with the frost giants odin, yeah, that's right. And Odin doesn't feel it needs resolved, which I think is interesting. Um, so take it from there and, in, in, you know, in Thor's perspective. <laughs> yeah. Right? Well, I mean, that's that's part of what it takes as, you know, as the young leader, as the, the heir parent, whatever it is, you know, as a young leader in general is understanding that you don't have it all together. And Thor, of course, thinks that he does. And he's, you know, people are always probably heaping all this praise on him for his glory in the battlefield. And, you know, he always, you know, he's just this great fearless leader and he's so powerful like Odin. But he, so it it all goes to his head and he ends up, you know, talking to Odin about it and trying to figure out, you know, what do we do? He wants revenge on the frost giants. And of course, Loki's kind of in his ear and he, he convinces Thor um, that they're going to go after the frost giants. And so they go to, uh, to Jotunheim to the frost giants domain and they just cause a big ruckus. Nothing really happens except that they just piss off Lofi, who is, I guess, like the king of the frost giants. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, you know, and the guy gives him a chance to kind of back off. Um, but because he's so prideful, right. And he's so looking for a fight. Um, and I think this is, you know, something, I think this is an important point though, to, to go back to business for a second and your career. Um, it could be, you know, as you said before, Drew, like in your family, et cetera, but you're, when you're, when you're younger, you're looking for a, a chance to define yourself. And when you're really, I would say heading into that, um, I don't know that you necessarily see consequences. You really see what are the near-term rewards of defining myself. And, you know, I will show X, Y, and Z person as usually kind of top of the list. Um, it's not always, but it can overtake and consume you at some level. And that's where your judgment and your discernment have the energy sucked out of them. Uh, and it all goes into kind of the attack, right? And that's where Thor was at in this situation. He was putting all his energy into the attack and with one goal, which is I'm going to resolve this by complete decimation. Uh, at least in his mind, that's what he thought was going to happen. Of course, what I thought was interesting is, you know, first he thought the temperature in the room, and I'm making a pun here a little bit, right? The frost giants, but, you know, he's saying like, hey, there's not that many of them. We can take them. But it's interesting how they keep turning the heat up. It's like every time a wall would crumble, another more giant frost giant monster would pop out and come after him. And I think that's that's kind of analogous 
I mean, I've been there before where I've bit off more than I can chew and you think, oh, that's as bad as it's going to get. And no, no, no. The next wall just fell down. And here comes the next thing. This you only is- see the first order consequences, right? Oftentimes yeah. when you're yeah. trying, especially like when you haven't had a lot of experience, you only see the first order consequences for those who aren't you know, familiar. First order, second order consequences, third order even, right, have, are things that have been around for a long time, I, you know, popularized for me by Charlie Munger. But um, you know, the idea that we can easily predict first order consequences or like the direct responses to what we do. But the second order, which is basically like the domino effect of the first ones, and then the third order, the domino effect of the second ones, very, very hard to predict. And it's only when that, like you said, when it's, once it's blown up in your face enough times that you start to realize like, hey, first order effects looking good for, for Drew. The second order effects maybe not going to look as good for Drew. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And you don't know which way it's going to break sometimes. And now as you get experience, I think as a leader, you start to you you start to get a feel because you're able to put uh, maybe people or groups into, I would say, uh, archetype or prototypical roles. And I think that's something that comes with experience where you say this fits this model. And so I've characterized this particular group or person as this particular model. And so I can make a guess, a, an educated guess versus an uneducated guess when you're younger and you don't know, right? You don't know what your the effects of your actions are going to be. You're dead on with that. I mean, that's just, it's absolutely what happens to Thor. He is so inexperienced uh, he gets steamrolled by these guys, and then I would say basically spanked and sent back to Asgard. That's pretty much, <laughs> you yeah, know. Yeah, he gets and saved I, by Odin there, right? Like Odin yeah. comes through despite the fact that uh, that Thor, you know, went against Odin's wisdom. Odin comes through and he he saves him, of course, because that's who he is. Odin is the the like king and protector of Asgardians, and also Thor's father. So of course he's he's always got his back. And yeah. Where, and that takes us to our moment, right? I mean, that's yeah, that's where that takes we're us at. to our moment, and I, the moment's kind of obvious in this one, right? We kind of went back and forth on a couple different ones that we could have talked about, but I think that as much this movie is like a coming of age story that of Thor that's really critical for the development of the MCU as a whole, and it's funny that you know he is such an eight wing nine, because, I mean eight wing seven because he uh, he has this coming of age moment, but then of course we see in like you know in the later Avengers movies he still struggles <laughs> because he still <laughs> yeah. he still keeps trying to put his own like progress ahead of uh, ahead of the good of everybody else, which is exactly what he was you know told to do and 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 what his post is his post is the protector of the realms so he he's supposed to do that and and odin wants him to be able to do that and but odin recognizes that there's a right way that you have to do something and thor is not doing it in the right way so uh, in love he basically kicks him out of the nest and he says all right well you've had your power and you've had um you know you've had everything handed to you so far you know, you haven't really been dealt any defeats. So now you need to go to the other side and you need to learn what it's like to live without those things so that you don't flaunt those things. And and for other reasons, too. But from, you know, initially, it's it's obvious that Thor's kind of like his pride is hurt and stuff like that. Right. He basically he just gets stripped of his power. Odin says, you know, whosoever throws his throws his Mjolnir afterwards and says, whosoever holds this hammer, if he be worthy, shall possess the power of Thor. And it's like this big 
it's this emblematic moment that's like you're like of course there's going to be a circular thing that happens here that's going to come back around and thor's going to have to pick up the hammer again but how is he going to do it it introduces the central plot conflict of this film yeah and i want to i want to pause right there and go back to life career business you know um there are going to be moments there have been moments in my life right where i have finished one epoch of my life and something happened and you have to think about how you can fragment and so you may split off from yourself and that part of you like in thor's case the aggressive the powerful part of him it got put to sleep for a little bit right it went put on pause and then the part that he had been nursing barely like with life support um that's the part that now takes over his inherent weak areas which are like how to lead people when you don't have a giant hammer to coerce them into doing stuff for you uh how do you not you know bust out like fancy looking armor and you know okay he got to keep the hair the entire show so that's good uh for him <laughs> um but but you know you don't have those things to rely on anymore those were your identity now he has to essentially grow the other part of his identity which is you know how to rely on his friends how to you know find definition when it's not when he when aggression isn't there right so he had the brute force he was defined by the brute force and now all of a sudden he really can't he can pack a little bit of a punch you know i think back to when he's in that tent you know fighting to get his hammer and he's like i fought bigger people than you you know um and he did get his tail kicked excuse me that time so you know but you've got a fragmentation that happened right in that moment and now he's on a journey to kind of make sense of this piece of him and i think that i know i've been there i'm sure you've been there before drew you know it's either whether it's in your career and you know you're in and you think it's going to go a certain way and it doesn't uh whether it's within your control or out something outside of your control it really doesn't matter it happened uh it could be happening right now right you could be in a fragmentation state right now thinking what am i going to do next where do i go next and uh let's pick the story back up but that's well, kind of what i was thinking about yeah those and those crucible moments are are so important to your development so it's not you can't seek out those moments like it's not like you can just be like i really want to work on this in my life like i feel like i i you know i feel like i'm four before his uh, crucible right <laughs> you can't really seek those out but i think almost every person will have that power stripping moment where whatever their superpower is that they've kind of glided by on for a while in life, they realize that like, oh wait, I'm imbalanced. Or some, it, a lot of times, right, it's somebody else who realizes it, who cares about you, and then kind of pulls out the rug from under you so that you have to reassess and you have to reorganize and evaluate and figure out how you're going to move forward from this situation. And usually they do it because they're preparing you for something, right? I mean, there's, you know, there's that type of a conversation when you're preparing a kid to leave a house, right, to go to college or, or to go off for their first job. Um, there's that type of a conversation when you're preparing somebody for maybe more of like a leadership or management position in their job where they have to take this next step and they don't know if they're ready, but you believe in them. And so you kind of pull away the power a little bit and you say, like, all right, now let's see how you do. I need you know, I, I, I'm going to like 
I'm going to see how you handle this raw and you're going to have to process some of the things that maybe have been under the surface for a while. Because when you're talking before, I just was like getting a little bit of like waves of compartmentalization. And I know that that's not what you meant, but I just want to be clear that like, you know, that that kind of aggression and, and revenge that he kind of has this kind of like fieriness, right? It's the issue is not that we want him to compartmentalize he needs to compartmentalize it and he needs to like, you know, hide it and put it away. It's that he needs to learn how to wield it and when to wield it. And that's what you were kind of saying at the beginning when we were talking about the overview, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he just, and unfortunately because he, you know, can't wield the hammer anymore, that's, he was forced to pause the utilization of that. You know, he doesn't have, and this is always something I'm wondering about with these movies is that these guys are kind of indestructible. And I always think about that throughout the movies, you know, when I'm watching a Thor movie, I'm like, is he is he really indestructible or is he not indestructible? You know, anyway, so that's just something that comes in the back of my mind. But in this case, like what I was indicating was just like he doesn't get to be the hammer wielding guy anymore. He doesn't have all that power anymore. And it really did get paused because he was forced to work on that piece of himself. And I naturally uh, when, you know, in a normal person's life, I don't think that's necessarily the case. Uh, experientially, I can say that uh, life just kind of piles up on you. <laughs> and because you are, uh, you have limited resources, you may not have the time to fight eight different things. And I think that's a little bit different. It's different because it's not a movie, right? And <laughs> in, in real life, you know, you just, you just don't have the energy to fight all eight things when you get to that point in your life. It's just a season thing. When you are kind of feeling a little salty, I mean, my opinion is like your map is small in life, your psychological map, you know, your map of reality. It's just kind of small. And you're like, well, all I got to do is fight that one thing. So you have all this energy. But as soon as you expand your map, and I think that's what happened to Thor, right? His map expanded and there's like, hey, there's a lot more at play here than you realize. Um, so that's kind of the parallel that I take from it. Yeah, it's it's not necessarily compartmentalization for sure. It's it's just in his case, he had to pause what he was up to. Yeah, just for you a little stripped bit. of your you just get stripped of your power in a way. And I, I think that's right. Like, I don't want to get too lost in like Mjolnir as like a as a weapon or anything else, because really it's it's kind of like Thor's power. Right. Like without his power. It's it's like, you know, it's like Samson's hair, right? <laughs> like without the hair, he's, yeah. not, he's no longer the strong man. And that's for Thor. It's it's about the hammer. You know, I think about in, in my you know business career, the first time that I was like put in charge of a team and we were kind of building a new team in the digitalization space. And we you know, I, it was awesome. I was so excited. I was like, wow, like, there you know, we're going to be able to do so much. And then like we reorganized and had something change and that that initial power and like the trajectory that I thought we were on totally changed. And, you know, it didn't. And, and, and so it kind of like felt like it was a setback for me, but actually it was really driving my progress because it was in that that I found out like, OK, you know, I had a glimpse of what it's like to lead people. So from that, I learned I like doing it. These are the things I like about it. Maybe these are the things that I'm not so good at or they make me uncomfortable. So these are the things I need to work on. And then slowly but surely, right, you just kind of like wait and and play your cards right. And the time comes. And, and you know, there was absolutely intention. It wasn't like, you know, it wasn't like the organization wanted to pull that away because, you know, they're like, all right, like 
didn't work, bad experiment. It was because like, you know, it was just organizationally right at the time. And it was good for my development, actually, to kind of step back into more of an individual contributor role and then to push the lever forward maybe like a year later into the team leader uh, role again. Yeah, I mean, I think you really speak to the ebb and flow of seasons in life, right? And then I think it's really just, you know, what happens in a season? Does the ground change? Does, does the grass change? It's the environment around you that changes. <clears throat> and I think that's the thing that we've got to, you know, as leaders, we have to keep in mind is that what's changing uh, is around us. And then we have to acclimate to that, uh, whatever that may be. And I think that's a great story that you shared there of just how you acclimated, how you adjusted yourself. And then you said, you know what, I'm going to use this opportunity to grow other parts of myself until the next season. And so you can't fight the rhythm. You know, the rhythm is there. Right. And you cannot if you fight it, you fight it at your own peril. It's like if Thor was like, well, you know what? I lost my hammer, but I'm going to get in a fist fight with everybody right now. You know, he's not going to lie. Actually, he tried that. Right. He was like, get your hands off me. I mean, this is not a good Thor impression whatsoever. But, you know, I remember the hospital is the funniest scene to me, you know, where they're like, he's like, I, I, what, what was the thing he said? I forget. It was so funny to me. It was like, you know, what realm is this, you know, or whatever. Yeah. Uh, I know I know he's asked that at several points. It's just hilarious to me. Um, I, I don't remember what he said to the people in the hospital, but it was enough to like, you know, that they were like, I got to subdue this guy. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> And I mean, actually, that's a good place to pick the story up if we're if we're continuing yeah. on, you know, that direction. But yeah, uh, we, can, we can kind of leapfrog around. I think that's a good place to pick the story back up. Right. He made it to, yeah. he, you know, he got sent to Earth. Mjolnir got sent to Earth and uh, he got hit by, you know, they were out like storm chasing uh, Jane and Eric and uh, uh, Darcy were and they ran into Thor. <laughs> you know, one of multiple times they run into Thor with the, with the car. Right. And they. uh so it's kind of like this happenstance and these two two worlds colliding, literally and figuratively, right? So um, in that in that moment, they have decisions to make. And this is kind of where we pick up the uh, one of the mentor threads that we want to look at here, where we have, um, you know, Dr. Eric Selvig and, and, and Dr. Jane Foster, right? They're kind of like, um, we have Eric as like Jane's mentor. Jane, it's kind of, I mean, she's awesome. She's like, uh, she's doing all this crazy stuff. She's so passionate. She seems to be like, you know, probably... You know, she's kind of like the uh, what do you want to call? It? I don't know, like maybe not the maybe a prodigy. Prodigy is probably right, right? I was gonna say squeaky clean, squeaky clean, goody two shoes, <laughs> like, <laughs> because that's what she is. You know, she's really good natured. You know, and I, I thought that was kind of you know a defining feature of her. And it, it, it just maybe Natalie Portman in general. I'm not sure, but she's always playing like these really nicey nice you know characters, which is nice. You know, it's good. Of course, maybe I haven't seen some of the other movies that she's made, but um yeah, and these examples maybe not in black swan but yeah <laughs> yeah there you go there you yeah. go no she's, um, she's a flat character yeah. in this in this movie and i mean every you know movies need flat characters and stuff like that she's more dynamic in in the next movie right yeah yeah because she takes uh, more risk right i mean in this yeah. one she's just literally like research 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 i gotta learn all this stuff you know um <laughs> you know and and uh anyway so it's it works though because thor is a mess you know he's a hot mess and he doesn't know what he's supposed to do next right um and i that's a good you were talking about eric though let's go to that before we talk about anything else you know as far as uh you know kind of the role eric plays you know yeah. just in the trio there yeah so uh eric plays this kind of conservative role right where uh he's like the older wiser guy right he might not have maybe he's not necessarily as smart or as like has as much potential or whatever but 
he he plays this kind of grounding role where he is kind of trying to convince her like no let, maybe we shouldn't go on this wild adventure <laughs> like going on wild adventures is dangerous and you have a good thing going so he's kind of trying it, it seems like throughout this uh you know this journey he's always trying to he he's never telling her what to do so he's a good mentor in that way right he's letting obviously letting her make her own decisions um but he's kind of offering a way out where he's saying like you know we don't have to do this <laughs> Yeah, I mean, he plays kind of a father figure of sorts. You know, I was just thinking about that just now as you were talking is that, you know, um, and you you need those kind of, I would say, father figure mentor types um, that are, like I said, even sometimes, I mean, I didn't say it, I'll, I'll say it now. Uh, maybe I said it in my own head, but, um, you know, it's just like they are willing to bail you out sometimes, right? Uh, and he does bail uh, Thor out and he does it for Jane because, you know, he's like, you know, I, I see the way that Jane looks at you or whatever. I'm not really sure how to extrapolate that when he's like, you need to leave town <laughs> after all that. You know, he like rescues Thor and he's like, you got to uh, take, take this last beer and you got you to get out of here, you know. Um, so and, uh, you know, so, I mean, it's it's interesting to see how Eric can he, he, he's not overpowering. And he also one of the things I think is is interesting is that. He brings a healthy skepticism. He also talks about, hey, you know, there's a historical piece here about this whole stuff that, that Thor is spouting out. So he's he's like halfway giving her a little bit of material like, yeah, you could be right. But he still has that, you know, that like you said, that grounding that, you know, doesn't let her get too far. Um, although eventually she just outstrips him because it's pretty hard to not outstrip him when uh, we have all these people showing up in town and we got Xena and Robin Hood and uh, <laughs> I forget what the other guy, what the, what the other name they used. To, it was so yeah, funny. I, when they you got me there. <laughs> yeah. They were in the, they were in the town you know, and the guy's on the radio and he's like, we got, we got Xena, we got Robin Hood. We got, uh, I forget the other one, but um, you know, when it, when his friends show up, right. To, to bail Thor out. So, um, but again, uh, where, where do we pick up? you know, next, you know, as far as, you know, kind of understanding the lessons from this, because I think that's the most important piece here, right? Yeah, that's, that's where we want to go. And I, I just want to dig into the, the kind of like this, this middle, like rising action that happens here. And the, we'll stop and talk about Thor and the hammer and stuff, because I think that's really important. That's, it's kind of like a, something, an element that ties the whole story together. But um as we talk about like Jane and Eric and their kind of their relationship with Thor, it's always like, I, I don't know. I just want to hit a little bit more on Eric. I feel like Eric, he's very much like a centrist, right? He's kind of always like looking for middle ground between things. He's trying to, he's trying to see things from everybody's perspective. He's not, um, he doesn't push his agenda as much. And eventually, right. He falls in, right. He goes and he's like drinking at the bar with Thor. And then, you know, he kind of falls into it, uh, falls into it too but i think eric you know again i'm not looking at him as this golden mentor <laughs> that's not the point of the mentor uh like our mentor discussions our point is just to look at how different people play the role of mentor and figure out you know who's playing the role of mentor to you and who are you mentoring in your life so i think it's just interesting to look at him and just see his mentor like his his so could try to uh, condense his his mentoring um 
strategy or approach for me? How would you? Well, would you I, yeah, that? I think he's uh, so the type, and I don't know, I don't know that I have a catalog of types, but maybe we should have a catalog of types and wonder tour at some point. I think that'd be cool. Um, but I think he's like this uh, stabilizing and soundboard type mentor, right? You go and you just like, hey, we need to talk, you know, whatever, and you just kind of like. Uh, I think he's the guy who's like, you, you, you know, you can unload and he kind of listens. Um, I think he will give you like feedback from his experiences, um, but it won't be judgmental per se, but he may have some really pointed advice too. So I think that's kind of interesting how he's not, he's not judging you, but yet he gives you very pointed advice. I think that's something that he is very balanced on the, the head of a pin with. Uh, versus other mentors because you typically when you're judgmental you tend to give really pointed advice and you're judgmental uh, versus non-judgment typically doesn't give a lot of advice tell me more uh, I want to hear more about that you know and and so it's not that kind of softness isn't necessarily what you always need in a mentor you know um, that's more on the soundboard side so I don't know that's that's the thing I see sticking out from him is that you know he listens enough and he talks when it really maybe there's some big consequences coming right and i think that's when he steps in i keep thinking of though i gotta tell you i keep thinking of the the marvel movie where he's like he's walking around he's got no pants on i just it's so funny <laughs> I, I can't wait to get to that part because or, or that that movie eventually at some point here because it just cracks me up like uh, that movie he is just completely bat crap crazy i mean the guy's nuts right um, yeah, when so, he goes under control of when he's under Loki's control. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, you know, he's, it just shows you his versatility. You know, I think that's kind of cool. So anyway. <laughs> yeah, he's a really interesting character. And when he was introduced, you probably never would have thought that he was going to play like this role. And it's it's funny. He He's like slightly dynamic, too. He ends up becoming a little bit more like warm as you go through. Right. Like it's kind of funny in the first Avengers movie, like the kind of banter at the end once he's not in Loki's control that he has um, with the Avengers with Thor and stuff. So I, I feel like he's a, he's a very interesting character to follow through with. So we'll definitely talk about him again. Um, so we can kind of cut to the chase here. You already started talking about the, ho- the hospital scene. Thor breaks out of the hospital after he, um, at, you know, because they want to take him to the hospital. They do want to help him. Jane's kind of like, uh, you know, she's, she's part humanitarian and also like clearly partly interested in him because I mean, you know, who wouldn't be? <laughs> um, so he, um, th- they keep the train rolling and then Thor hears on the news uh, something that leads him to believe that, you know, his hammer is um, nearby this like crash site, of uh, this satellite or whatever that they're talking about. And so he's like, goes there and he's sneaking in. And um, he eventually, uh, you know, he beat some people up without power. He beat some big, some big dudes up without power. But um, he, again, he, he's still stripped of who he is. He's like, it's like Samson without his hair. He can't actually win in the end. And so he does get captured. And that's when we have Jane and Eric, they come in to bail him out. And Eric comes and kind of like tells a little bit of a lie to break him out um, from S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, from Agent Coulson. Uh, it, I guess the, the next like important point that we talk about there is just like he, when he tries to pick up his hammer and it's so funny cause he looks like he's like so sure he's like, Oh man, this is so good. And then he can't pick it up. Yep. Surprise. <laughs> yeah. 
yeah, I mean, he was really shocked in that moment. And, um, you know, there's a lot of moments, I think, as leaders where we think we, you know, it, to contrast, right? So before we can talk about in the positive sense how some of those situations worked out, there's other times where, you know, you may try to pick up, let's say, let's call it the mantle, right? Um, in order to kind of transfer the hammer to more of a mantle and a, and a mandate from somebody uh, that you think you might have. And you reach out and you try to pick that mantle up and it, you can't move it. Um, it's not working for you. And I'm not going to sugarcoat that. There are times when that happens. Um, you know, only thing I can say is, you know, you hope that you didn't put yourself out in the line too far where so many people saw you do that, you know. But even if you did, I'm sure there's some way to kind of pivot on that. Um, but those things happen. And I'm not, you know, I, you know, I, I think Drew and I are both very comfortable to say here that, you know, um, it's gonna, I mean, it's just like a certainty. It's not like an if, um, you know, sometimes you're just not, you're going to try to pull, pick up a hammer that you really can't wield. And, uh, that's when you just got to say, you know what, I got to go back to my ground level characteristics. Who am I? Is that in my gifts, right? Are those truly my gifts? And am I, am I trying to force something, you know, I, I have a certain characteristic. I have a certain set of strengths, you know, Am I forcing this? It's a good question to ask yourself. I can't, I can't tell you 100%. You know, and you're going, you have to know yourself. You have this kind of uh, inner wisdom. You just got to listen to it a little bit, right? You know what you're cut out for. So I can say that in my life, I've done that before. I've picked up hammers that I'm like, whoa, this is way heavier, and I about broke my arm off. You know, figuratively yeah. speaking. <laughs> yeah. So, oh, anyway. totally. And and what does the hammer represent, right? And we keep talking about it throughout. It's power, right? And the owner represents power and it's Thor's power specifically, but it offers a power to, it's kind of like this aura of power to other characters in the story as well. So we have the kind of like the partiers, just like the earth people who first find it, who are just like having fun and treating it like Excalibur and stuff. And like, you know, they're, they're just so like, into themselves and doing their own thing and into having fun that they don't even realize what power is when they see it. They don't know that it's serious and that this isn't something to play with. Right. So they're kind of just like, um, they're gathering around it and having fun, but it's not, you know, that's not how to wield power, obviously. And then we see another example of who's going to try to take the power for themselves and it's shield and shield is, they do it in a more calculated way. They know that Mjolnir is powerful and they're trying to figure out how to extract that power and how to protect that power and stuff like that. So their idea of what to do with this is to take the power and kind of like hide it away. Right. They're like, OK, we're going to pull it out and we're going to you know, we need to protect it. So that side of it's good. But of course, they you know, when they go to leverage it, there's a lot of questions and we get into those type of questions in, in Avengers um, when they you know, when they have the whole fight scene. Um, over the technology that that uh, that Shield's been making, basically, for uh, using all of these things that they found from uh, from these other movies, and so we have that that idea of power. And then Thor still doesn't get what power is, right? And so I like the example that you gave. Like we all pick up the hammer sometimes, and it's not right for us. So I think for most of the time when you pick up the hammer, it's like 
you know, it's obvious if it's just not right for you, but there's other times like where it is, it's Thor's hammer, right? It is right for him, but he's not ready for that yet. And I think it's when you try to exit the reflection cycle too early and then you try to pick up the hammer and the hammer is like the feedback loop that's telling you, you've tried to exit the reflection cycle too early. Like, please go back to reflection cycle. It's not time to pick up the hammer yet. (laughs) Yeah, right on. I mean, that's exactly what I was thinking, you know, as far as that goes, it's, yeah, you're you're trying to force force the growth. There's clearly something that you haven't covered yet, right? And you've got to go back and search yourself. And you know, I want to draw attention to let's well, we can fast forward a little bit of the the, the fluff in the middle between the hammer pull and we got a confrontation coming up, right, with the guardian. But before that, I think the best way, in my opinion, and you can you know jump in after I say it, but you know is that there are going to be times when you're going to be goalless as a leader. So Loki, you know, I'll just fast forward him, but he basically jumped in and told Thor, you know, his father has died. He is exiled and there's no real possibility for you to come back because you're done. Okay. So he gave him information, which is false information. And I think that even in the end, it caused Thor to really reflect even on false information. Now, reflect on a lie. I haven't really reflected on a lie very often in my life, Um, but it can still grow you, you know, because someone who has a good heart can even reflect on some false information that they have no idea whether it's true or not. And it could still cause them to search for the truth uh, of the situation, right, as far as what what should they do next. But he goes to this time where he's goalless as a leader, and it's, uh, you know, what did he do? He, he went and he, he started helping Jane, right? And I think that gave him some purpose and some definition and builds a bridge until he gets to, you know, the moment where he actually turns it around. So, yes, he gets um, back to the basics, right? He gets back to, you know, Thor, you have to stop being, you know, the God of Thunder who's in charge of all of these things. And you just have to look into yourself, like just do one small thing, right? When you get tied up or when you get locked up and you feel like you're not making progress, like, that's what we got to do. We talk about it with throw, you know, simplicity, 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 like do one thing right. Once you do one thing right, like it starts to cascade, the dominoes start to fall. And I like that you pointed that out, right? The things with Jane and Eric, they're going well, right? He's he's helping them. He feels like he's contributing. He gets her note, her journal back. He, he feels like there's like a, a fire between them. These things are, are are going well. Then he sees his friends, right? And I'm kind of like jumping. So like really quickly, what happens, right? Like Loki is Loki is manipulating in the background, and he's um, he's manipulated Odin. Um, and then you know Odin tells Loki that Loki's actually you know was a frost giant and blah blah blah. And then Odin enters the Odin sleep, which we don't have time to talk about what the heck the Odin sleep is. Basically, Odin needs to recharge. Um, he, he has to recharge his power every so often, and he's kind of like forcibly sent into the Odin sleep due to shock um, and due to the fact that he hasn't been in it for like over a millennia, I think that they say. And then so Loki kind of like takes over the throne. And like you said, he's passing false information to Thor on Earth, and he's basically just trying to keep Thor locked out of the kingdom now so that Loki can retain control over it. And then as that's going, he has this separate thread where he has Luffy, the king of the ice, uh, the king of frost giants. Um, who's going to like, you know, he opens the Bifrost um, and he, you know, brings in the Frost Giants and it's going to use them to kind of like cement his coup um, of Asgard. And while this is happening, right, like this, this like macro level, big, big stuff is happening. There's like this micro level little stuff happening inside of Thor. And it's being um, it's kind of like being there's a parallel that's going on there. And 
I like that you pointed out how it's just the one little thing that's going right for him that leads him to the truth that he needs to be able to continue. Yeah. And, and his, uh, also his friends intrepidness, you know, so, you know, those relationships came back and they actually paid off obviously because, you know, his friends, uh, got Heimdall to, to let them through, you know, the Bifrost. He did a little bit of civil, civil disobedience there and, you know, they show up and, you know, I think that's, <clears throat> sometimes that's what it takes, right? When you, it's the relationships, I think that bring us back, bring us back home uh so many times but then when we come back home and we've changed because we've had that reflection time i think that's what i take away from these these scenes right before the guardian uh and loki confrontation is that you know he came home um at least in his mind he wasn't back to asgard yet but you know we know that he gets there um but it's it's his friends that reach out, but it's great. You know, it's, it's perfect timing. He just got done helping Jane. He reached outside of himself probably for once in the, the movie. Right. It's like before that he was, you know, at first it was like, I got to get my hammer just real, like, you know, frustrated and that kind of thing. And then it's more like, I got to get my hammer and he still couldn't get it. And then he was like, you know what? I got to do something else. Right. You went back to, you said, you know, he's got to get one thing to go. Right. And then you get that transition. He comes home. And and then that's when it all kind of comes together, right? When he basically you'd walk me through it, but basically it's a moment of humility for him, right? Yeah, it's it's the moment when he's just getting spanked by the destroyer that Loki sends to I don't know if Loki, you know, Loki never seems like he actually wants to kill Thor. He's always kind of just like he wants to mess with Thor. I think that's what he gets a rise out of more than anything else. But he sends the destroyer um, after Thor. And and like you said, he's always a split mind. So he's always kind of like going back and forth on if what he should do and if he should do it and stuff like that. And we just straight up, we don't get a good glimpse. I mean, heck, we're about to have this Loki show at some point um, on Disney Plus. So what, maybe we'll get a better glimpse into like what Loki's thinking and and why he does his, his stuff. But um so, yeah, Thor has this moment of kind of softness where he is like knocked down and you're like, wow, it's, you know, it's, this is the the critical point in the movie. Is Thor going to change or is Thor going to continue to try to just win with brute force? And Jane kind of like runs over to him and um, Thor like protects her. And in that he gains back his power. Right. We see him get his power back. And it's it's the recognition that, like, look, the role that Odin is putting you up for is not the hero dude who's just going to kick butts and, and win wars and stuff. That's not the role that the leader plays. The role is the protector. That's what this is about. It was in you the whole time, but you 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 just didn't let it out. Right. Like it was in your spectrum of possibility. And and Odin just needed to going back to the moment. Odin just needed to you know, put the right pressure on him in order to release it. And after this, we'll kind of just quickly summarize the rest of the movie so that we can hit the moral. Um, so the Frost Giants are invading Asgard. Um, Loki, like for whatever reason, Loki stops Luffy, Luffy, the ice, I mean, the Frost Giant King and from killing Odin. Probably that was his plan the whole time to seem like the the hero, because that's always how he wants to be portrayed, even though like inside his head, he doesn't seem, you know, he's a split mind on it. Um so then Loki's going to actually destroy the the uh, Jotunheim um, and Thor goes in to try to stop him and they fight and then they're hanging on the edge 
of so it's this reversal of what we saw in our moment earlier where Odin sentences him to leave Asgard um Thor and Loki are on the edge and who is there but Odin has come out of the Odin sleep and Odin picks them back up and invites them back in so we see the reversal um of what we saw the first time when Odin sent them out now they're back Loki decides to that he doesn't want to go though because he feels shame and and you know and other things and so he drops um Everything seems like we're kind of back to normal here, except for there's this uh, Thor and Jane thing that's going on. And we're not going to talk about the post credit scene, I don't think, here. So really, that's the end of the movie for us is is like Thor is at the place that he was at at the beginning of the movie, except he has the inside stuff that he needs to actually be able to lead. Yeah, I mean, you know, and I think that's a great way to establish, you know, someone as a leader, you know, take him through that. And a lot of times you talk about what, you know, the rites of passage, you know, you talk about walking on the hot coals, yada, 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 you know, all these different examples where, you know, uh, well, they got to go through the fire. You know, I, I've just heard so many different type of and you know what's interesting. And this is where I think this is more of a wonder tour type thing. But I don't think people can really describe what those situations are going to play out like. They don't you know what? Here's a secret. They don't know. They just know it's going to be hard for you. They don't know the details about how you're going to work it out as a leader. They're not, they don't know about how this weakness is going to turn into a strength. And this strength is going to have to be humbled a little bit. They just don't know the details of that. And I, I think that's kind of cool. It's, that's what's kind of mysterious about, you know, the makings of a leader and the, the ethos of a leader, right? And it's like a it's like this, uh, you know, I want to say, well, I mean, you you don't know how things are going to reorganize in yourself. So you're kind of like this uh, smelting pot of sorts of, you know, you've got a combination of different things. And then when you go through the fire, that stuff gets stirred up and it gets mixed a little better. Right. And you find out what your formula is. And you know what, Drew and I, we want everybody to figure out what their formula is to be the best, you know, self they can be right. The best leader that they can become. Um, and I think this is a great example of, you know, just one instance, right, where someone has gone through something, froze a part of themselves, basically had to work on the other piece and then brought them back together. And that that right there, don't don't miss that. The part with the guardian where he gets his power back and what Drew said, right, what you what you said, Drew, was was exactly right on. You have a reintegration of what was paused, frozen, lost, et cetera, and it comes back. And I. I can say from experience, that is exactly how it works. Um, you have that moment. I mean, you have to be striving for that moment. It doesn't just come to you. It has to be part of your goals. It has to be part of your livelihood. And you have to look back a little bit, you know, before you can look forward. If you want to know how, you know, hey, you know, part of my best strengths kind of, wait, I don't do that anymore. Wait, I don't, you know, I don't try that anymore. Why is that? Where, where did you lose that part at? Right. And I think that's that's a conversation I've had with myself before. You know, how about you, Drew? Yeah. So what I'm, I'm like struggling with terminology for how we phrase this. But the the thing I have landed on so far is the spectrum of character. Right. So we've talked about before how Derek and I believe that, you know, your life is this forging of your character over the axis of time. And your character, like one way or another, your character is going to get forged, right? So you can become, you can have like this kind of crummy character or you can have this 
this great, you know, uh, magnanimous character that we talk about on Wonder Tour. And the choice is up to you, truly, um, what you're going to do with that. So everybody kind of has this scale. If you just think about it in terms of like, I'm just thinking about it like a bar, maybe like, a, you know, it's not that simple, but it's just like a line, right? And you can end up anywhere on the left or the right or the middle of that line in your character development. Um, but you, if you're going to really, um, if you're going to really like, do it right, you're only going to end up on that line or very close to that line somewhere. You're not going to end up somewhere out in left field. And that's kind of what, so let me try to bring this back to Thor so that we can understand it. That's what Loki does, right? Loki has this line and on the left side of this line is like, he's, you know, he, he, his, his ability, um, it, one of his abilities is wit, right? He's incredibly smart. He's fast to react. He's good at reading people. And that can either on one side of the spectrum on the left side end up as him being conniving or it can end up as him being incredibly wise on the right side of the spectrum. Right. And he can play he's going to play a role. And this is why we talk about how everybody everybody can be a leader. Right. Because as you trend toward the, the right side of the spectrum, you're really enhancing your leadership gifts and you're, you're playing a role that gives back to the people around you, which is the important thing about being a leader. You're not a leader for yourself. You're a leader for the good of others. So when you look at that scale, you can look at both Thor and Loki on that kind of scale of character, that spectrum of character. And they both start out somewhere in this like gray range where you're like, oh, I don't really know. This is the first time we're introduced to these characters. So, but Loki, he's jumping all over and he's, he's really, he's an imposter because he's trying to be more like Odin. And sometimes he's trying to be more like Thor instead of taking the abilities that he has and leveraging them, right? And he, he wants to try to usurp Odin and usurp Thor to have the throne when his gifting that he has is really wisdom, right? He should be the advisor. He should be the strategist, the one who plays the role in the background that helps the gears to turn, but he wants all of the credit and, and, and it plays to his pride. So how does, how does that, that spectrum of character apply then to Thor? Yeah, well, I think in Thor, Thor is more of a concerted move to the right uh, in his journey. Um, but I think it's interesting how you talked about how Loki jumps around, um, you know, because Thor isn't so into manipulation and playing, right? Um, Thor is just very like, you know, this is the way I, I want another. Boom! And he throws the coffee cup on the ground, right? He's very direct with what he wants. So I, I respect that. And I think that's really good. And it's an easy way to lead because you're just like, I will say what I want. Now, Loki's like, I will play this person and play this person. I know how this person's going to react. So I've got them both thinking this. And man, the dimension of thought and, and think about how, you know, that type of thinking, that way of thinking, conniving is very complicated and very, uh, you know, densely interlinked. Right. Um, but the problem with Loki, going back to your uh, spectrum of character, right, is that I don't think Loki stays on that good side of it, that wise side of it long enough to cement it. He uses it just because he is really, you know, you're kind of talking like, I would say, you know, good in the good, or what is it, light in the dark side, you know, the force, you know, that kind of thing, too. Uh, but he's basically like everything's a projection and you always are led to to doubt when he's being nice you're like i don't know if he really means this you know so let's just take that as an example of don't do that <laughs> because 
you know, you want to submit, you want to stay on the good side long enough, uh, the wiser side of the spectrum long enough so that you can realize what the benefits of that are. And, you know, a lot of times Loki is really just in it for himself and, you know, he takes care of number one. And I think that's part of his, you know, maybe limitation. It's a limiting belief that I think he gets past that, though, later. Um, I mean, obviously, he he does that uh, in the later movies. Um, Was it Endgame or was it uh, Infinity War? Was it Infinity War? Is that opening of Infinity War, I believe? Yeah. I mean, so they're like he he's doing what he can to help Thor. Right. So it's obviously he's moving. But but to your point, you know, the reason he or sorry, the, the effect of him jumping back and forth has been detrimental to his overall growth to the right. Um, and I think that's a lesson to us is if if we are playing games like that, we have to realize that those are that, that's consequential, you know, and I would I would say, you know, when I was younger, I probably play a little a little bit of a game like that at times, you know, when you you notice things and you're like, this is funny, but no one else really sees it. So they can't really appreciate that it's even funny, you know, about people. Right. And you start really figuring them out. Well, you know, that's finally cemented in myself. Right. And I'm like, well, I can use this information. Now I see, you know, what maybe what this person's motivation is and I can help them. Right. Develop in the right direction. I can help them develop to the right. That's that's when you can let it. And it's not like I'm some saint. I'm not. Believe me. But, you know, it's just like, you know, you you can help people when you realize that point, you know, then you know that you're moving more towards the right side, the more the wiser side of the spectrum of character. So I like that concept. Well, Thank you for bringing that up. Yeah, it's it's a question of how we're going to de- how are you going to define yourself, right? It's like, are you going to are you going to accept the role that you are given as a leader, right? And maybe that doesn't mean that you're leading people. Maybe that doesn't mean that you're you know like I, I mean, there's extreme examples of this, right? But that's what Thor is learning is like he needs to rather than want for something that's not the role that he has been cast, he needs to accept the role that he has been given. And that's something that all of us struggle with. And I think that we all can probably empathize with Loki when we see because like there's something inside of us that wants it now. And that that's kind of what Loki plays to is, is he wants it now. He doesn't want to wait for whatever he's going to get. He wants it now. So does Thor actually at the beginning. Right. That's why I say they kind of start somewhere very similar. Um, because they both want it now, but the the journey to get there for Thor and Loki is different. And Loki never arrives, right? Not that anybody ever arrives at character, really. Like, you know, you arrive because the, only the present exists. So you have the character you have. But um, th- I think Loki, he just gets lost along the way and he kind of wanders off the path. And so for, for me, I think it's a lot about that as a as a leader, we need to learn to play the roles that we're cast in. And sometimes you're cast in a role that's really good for your abilities. And sometimes you're cast in a role because there's just a need, right? Like, like for example, you might feel like, you know, I'm not the best father. I look at other people and I feel like they have better personalities. They have, you know, they have much better skills for this type of thing, right? But that's the role you're cast in. So that's the role that you need to play in that situation. 
So I think that's something that I take away from this personally is when you look at the spectrum of character, right, you need to play the role that you're cast. You don't get to change your personality. You don't get to you don't get a do over on anything in the past. Like you've said, either every action is consequential and does lead to the habits that you have. And those habits over time create more actions, create mental models and form your character. So, yeah. And if you're, you know, and, and that's good because you're, you're if you think about Loki, you know, he tries to cheat by projections. You know, he's the master of projection and he's the master of playing the scale. Make it look like, oh, well, I'm, you know, I'm good today, you know. And uh, so I think that's that's an interesting way to look at what you're saying is that, you know, some people try to cheat the again, it goes kind of goes back to organic growth rate a little bit. But, um, you know, that's just a rate. You know, this actually kind of boxes in. What is the spectrum? What are you actually growing towards, right? Where's the X, Y coordinate system going, right? And a spectrum of character kind of, you know, if you're looking at just a one-dimensional thing, which we are in this case, um, you know, it's showing you're going a certain direction. But, you know, if you're not really committed to that, then that's kind of Loki's situation, I think. It's just like, well, I'm going to say something to you nice this time. But I actually have this ulterior motive. So you can count on that not sticking, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, if there's anyway. anything you can count on with Loki, it's that he's going to change his mind. We see that over and over and over again in these movies, right? He always is changing his mind. That's the character, you know, the Norse character that he's based on is, you know, kind of all over the place. It's got a mischief, whatever, right? So he's kind of always messing with people and helping you one day and then hurting you the next day. So, I mean, it's obvious that we don't want to be like Loki, but like, I think from a practical step standpoint of, well, how do you become more like Thor? Um, well, one of the things tying it back to what we talked about is you have to go through the crucible. Someday you're going to have to go through the crucible. You might be going through it right now because that that good character, um, it just doesn't happen without going through some sort of a crucible. Right. And what do you mean by what do you mean by crucible, Drew, just so everybody understands what you're saying? You know, yeah. On that. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, going through the crucible is just like, you know, you're uh, it's, it's a hardship, right? It's like it's like some of the premiere or like the the pinnacle of hardship that you're going to go through in your life. It's the things that that are going to have the largest impact on your formation um, of who you are or your character, as we tend to call it here. Um, so for me, I just look at it and. I see that the hardest times in my life, those, you know, those did build me. And those specifically are the times when you're going to need to have the most conviction. You're going to need to have core values, right? So so if you don't currently, like, if you don't currently know exactly what you believe and, and, and what's most important to you in your life, it's good to decide those things now so that when the hardships hit, you have those things to stand on. And it's I think it's important in like a marriage to decide on those things as a, as a couple as well, right? Because you need to understand, you need to be having a shared understanding of where you're going and what you care the most about. Because otherwise, when when the winds blow one way and then the other, you know, there's going to be differing ways that you can go. You need to have a leg to stand on. Right. You need to say, like, no, we are committed to this character spectrum. We are becoming you know, we're becoming the type of people that that just like exude love into the world that that help others to become the best version of themselves. That's what we settled on. And we don't care if that means that, you know, we're going to go through financial hardships right now, or we're going to go through personal hardships, um, familial hardships, relationship hardships, whatever it is. We know that at, we know we keep that end in mind. You know, like you, you were talking about earlier, we're not navel gazers. We're not looking down, you know, get stuck in the mud, stuck just looking at the earth. We're looking at the sky, right? We're looking up and we're setting a vision for ourselves. Sorry, I kind of got a little bit lost there, but... <laughs> 
No, no, no I, don't, I don't think you got lost at all. I mean, I think that's, you know, it's, I think sometimes it's, it's helpful to talk about, you know, kind of what that obstacle course, um, that course of resistance, you know, and that's basically what it is, right? It's this thing. It's like, you know, everything's, you know, it seems like going fine and all of a sudden just this, all this stuff starts popping up and you, you know, you have to climb over it. You have to, uh, duck under it. You have to go around it. You have to dodge it. You have to jump over it. I mean, there's all these things and those are like the skills that you learn along the way. Right. I mean, I'm just trying to, I was never in the military, but I'm just saying like, I, I could think of like, you know, kind of a basic training or whatever, but point is, um, you know, you know, I think that's, that's good. I mean, I, I take that away from this as, you know, you know, of the, you know, from the story, because it's, uh, that, that's the primary thing that it taught me for sure. So thanks yep. for sharing that. And uh, the we... becomes the way, right? That's, we keep, yeah, we keep coming back to this and I, I like it because we're slowly starting to kind of like build out some terminology that we use on this wonder tour that we're going on. And we, you know, we talk a lot about character development. We talk about the, the organic growth rate um, of character and of other things as well. And I think I've mentioned the quote before, right? There's different people who quote it different ways. I like to talk, you know, the Jedi master, of course, I'm a big Star Wars guy. Jaro Tapal says the obstacle in your path defines the path. Right. It's like you, we have to um, recognize the obstacle in your way becomes the way. Right. There is no th- th- there's no for Thor. There was no way around. The way around is like what Loki's trying to do. He's trying to cheat progress. You can't cheat progress. If you want to become the type of person who can lead, the type of person who, who has people who willingly follow you, um, who, who you can develop other people to become better. Right. You must follow the path. You must go through the obstacle. So whether you're right now, you you're you know, you're on smooth sailing. Things are great. And you maybe you've never seen the crucible, you know, for you define your vision. I, I say that this is a good point to define your vision, define your, your core values, make sure that you know where you're going. You and the people around you get feedback on it. If you're in the crucible right now. Right. Look at how Thor handles that. Keep going. You have to you, when you're in the crucible, you know, you're almost at the bottom. You're coming out of the bottom. Right. You're making it through that. And if you've been through the crucible, then, you know, you're probably going to have to go through some more. But hopefully you you can see how your character developed and how important that was for your growth. So that the next time something comes up, I'm not saying that you shouldn't, you know, you should be neutral. You shouldn't be devastated when when tragedy happens. I'm saying that you can see that, you know, you can see the bigger picture that this is developing my character. This is developing the character of my loved ones. And that is what is is important on this wonder tour. Yeah, I really, uh, I really enjoyed how you put that there, Drew. Thank you for that. And well, I think that's about what we got for today. I mean, I, I, I feel like we've really covered thoroughly what Thor went through and how he resolved it. Um, and, you know, he made lemonade out of lemons as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> yeah, well, so, that's a nice colloquial phrase. <laughs> There you go. Well, sometimes I have to pull them out of the uh, off the bookshelf or whatever, because sometimes <laughs> somebody says something that's way better than what I could improvise on the spot. So um, but with that, we will uh, we'll see you next time. And next week, what do we have, Drew? Yeah, we are talking about Disney's Up. So we're kind of on that cartoon slash animation cycle that we go to uh, about every five episodes. So we're going to be hitting Disney's Up and man, this, this movie floored me the first time I saw it. So I'm really excited to, to get in there and watch it again before we record.
Dude, there's never a dry eye when I'm watching that movie. <laughs> Just <laughs> so much. <laughs> All right, we'll see you next time. <laughs>